Stand with me this morning as we honor the reading of the wonderful Word of the Lord. Today we're looking in the book of Joshua, chapter number 18. We're looking in the book of Joshua, chapter number 18. We're going to read the first three verses this morning. And we're going to read verse number, start reading with verse number one. Are you ready this morning? Are you ready for the Word? All right. The Bible says, Now the whole congregation of the children of Israel assembled together at Shiloh and set up the tabernacle of meeting there. And the land was subdued before them. Another version says that the land was under their control. But there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. Then Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you read? Will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? I want you to notice verse number three again. We're going to focus on that today. Joshua said to the children of Israel, How long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? I'm using for my subject this morning, Take the Land. Father, I thank you that you have promised not only land for the children of Israel. But I thank you that you have land promised to all of us today. God, I pray once again this morning the anointing of the Holy Spirit, Lord, will be upon us. It will break every yoke of hindrance or bondage today. God, I just pray, Lord, the word of the Lord will go forth in demonstration and in power today. Father, do what needs to be done in every heart and in every life. All for your glory we ask in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's people said praise the Lord. You can be reseated this morning. Well, in our scripture for today, the children of Israel have already come out of the wilderness where they had wandered for 40 years. They had crossed the Jordan River, and many of them had already taken possession of their God-given land. And yet the Bible said in our text there that there were seven tribes or seven groups of, of God's people who had not taken possession of the land that they had been given. And their leader Joshua seems a bit put out with them, and and he says to them, how long, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? Basically, Joshua was saying to them, take the land. As I was reading through this passage this past week, I, I felt an urgency in my spirit. I, I felt an urging in my spirit to tell somebody here today. I don't know who this is for this morning. I don't know if it's for one or several this morning, but, but, but I felt an urgency in my heart and in my spirit to say to somebody here today, take the land. Take possession of the promise God gave you in the past. There's somebody here today, maybe several somebodies, that, that, that God has given you a promise in the past and you have tucked that away in your heart. You have tucked that away in your spirit. Well, I believe that it's time that it comes to the forefront today and I believe that God is telling you today it is time for you to take possession of the promise that God has given to you. As I read through the book of Joshua this past week, there were, there were four things that, that God spoke to me, and I believe that he wants me to share with you this morning. And the first thing is this. God has something for you. Turn to your neighbor and say, God has something for you. 
I believe with all of my heart this morning that God has something for you. Verse number two says, they, they, re, they remained among the children of Israel, or there remained among the children of Israel seven tribes which had not yet received their inheritance. God had something prepared for every single tribe. God not only had something prepared for every single tribe, but he also had something prepared for every single Israelite. He had a specific plot of land. He had a specific place picked out and prepared for each one individually. I believe this morning that I'm speaking for God when I say this, and that is God has something for you. But not only do I believe that God has something for you, but I believe he has a specific something. See, see, my something is not your something, and your something is not my something. See, God is not a generic God where one size fits all, but God is a specific God, and God has a unique plan for you. How many believe that this morning? I know we hear it a lot, and we just let it go right over our head, and we don't think about it, but I want us to concentrate on that this morning. I want us to understand and, and, and realize this morning that God has something very specific and very unique for each and every one of us here this morning. God has something for you. First of all, it's his promise. It's his promise. Jeremiah 29 11, God says, I know the plans I have for you. For who? I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. To give you a future and a hope. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 11, Jesus said, if you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God has something for you. It's his promise. But not only is it his promise, it's his pleasure. Did you hear me? It's his pleasure. The psalmist wrote in Psalm 35, verse number 27, he said, God delights in blessing his children. And in Psalm 149, in verse 4, it says, the Lord delights in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. See, we need to understand that just as an earthly father wants the best for his kids, so our heavenly father wants the best for us. He delights in blessing his kids. He has incredible plans for us, and it is his pleasure to help us succeed. When my son Chad first entered into full-time ministry, he, he entered into full-time ministry by becoming my youth pastor. And as my youth pastor, not only would he do the youth services and other things, he was also my worship leader, but I would also have him preach once a month on Sunday nights in the adult services. And when he would preach for me on Sunday night, the people would brag on him. And the people would say how great a preacher that Chad was. And, and they loved to brag on him and they loved to rag on me. And they would tell him how great a preacher that he was, and then they would talk to me, and they would tell me that I might just lose my job to him. And they loved to mess with me. And I, and I remember some of them would ask me, you know, what's it going to be like one of these days when you're working for him instead of him working for you? I'll never forget one Sunday night after my son had preached and the people had kind of done along this same line, and I was driving home after church on Sunday night. My daughter just happened to be in the truck with me. 
And I'll never forget, my daughter looked over at me and she said, Dad, does it bother you when people say those things to you about Chad and how great a preacher he is and, and he may, you may lose your job to him and, and someday you might be working for him instead of him working for you. Dad, does that bother you when people talk like that? I said, sweetheart, no. I said, you need to understand that a father wants his kids to, to excel beyond him. And I'll never forget my daughter looked over at me and she said, well, Dad, he's good. But you're still better. That's my baby girl right there. All right, amen. How many know that God loves us? How many know that God is crazy about his kids? How many know that God has promised us a land? God has promised us, amen, some provision. God has, and he loves it. It thrills his heart, amen, to be able to bless his kids. Amen, if a father gets, loves to bless his kids, how much more does our heavenly father love to bless his children? Somebody needs to hear this today, and that is God has something for you. The second thing that you need to hear this morning, I believe God would have you know, and that is that God is waiting on you to get started. Yes, God has something for you, but God is waiting on you to get started. Verse number three again, it says, Joshua said to the children of Israel, how long will you neglect to go and possess the land which the Lord God of your fathers has given you? God has land picked out. He had land picked out for the children of Israel. And some of them had, had taken possession of the land, but there were seven tribes, seven groups of people yet to possess the land that God had for them. Listen, there are people here today, God has promised you the land. God has promised you some things in your life, and yet for whatever reason you have yet to take possession of the land, and God is waiting on you. You think you're waiting on God, but God is actually waiting on you. And until you take the first step, only then will God meet you and walk with you the rest of the way. God has land picked out for you, but He's not going to pick you up. He's not going to carry you into the land and drop you there. God has something for you, but He expects you to pick up your feet and start moving toward the promise that he has given you. Somebody said you can't reach the top of the ladder if you're not willing to climb any steps. Let me tell you that the only way that you can ever get from here to there is if you get started. But I want to encourage you today to start where you are. And I want to encourage you today to start with what you have. And as you get started, I want you to consider this. You already have what you need. Some of you are waiting around and thought, hoping that you would have this or that or something else before you get started. But I'm telling you, you need to start where you are. I'm telling you, you need to start with what you have. I'm telling you that you already have what you need. Now, now you might not have everything you need, but you have what you need to get started. In 2 Kings chapter 4, Elisha met the widow's need. This widow was starving. This widow uh, needed, uh, t- t- needed provision, and, 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 and she called out to the man of God. She called to the prophet Elisha. And Elisha, the Bible says, met the widow's need, but he did it by starting with what, with what she already had. 2 Kings chapter 4 and verse number 2, Elisha asked her, what do you have in the house. 
She's calling for the man of God. She's telling the man of God that she's going to starve. She's telling the man of God that she needs his help. And he starts helping her by asking her, well, what do you have in the house? And she responded and she said, nothing. But then she thought and she added, but a jar of oil. What do you have in the house? Elisha asked this woman. She said, I don't have anything. Then she remembered about a little insignificant jar. She said, I have nothing but a jar of oil. See, she didn't think what she had was of any value. Oh, to her, it seemed too insignificant. God couldn't do anything with the little tiny bit that she had. But what she didn't understand is God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. And some of you look at the little bit that you have, and you think, this is so tiny, and this is so little, and so minute. God couldn't do anything with the little bit that I have. But you don't understand that God doesn't need a lot. He just needs what we have. All he needs is our obedience. All he needs is us to give us what we, for us to give him what we have. God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. And he has given to all of us the little something that he needs to do a lot with. Did you hear me this morning? Did you hear me with this morning? Amen. We already have the little that God needs to turn into a lot. All we have to do is to give God the little and he can take the little and turn it into a lot. In Exodus chapter 4, God asked Moses what he had in his hand. And all that Moses had in his hand was a stick. So God used his stick to work miracles with. See, God doesn't need a lot. He just needs something. He just needs whatever we have given over to him. It don't matter what it is. He'll take that what we have, add his blessing to it, and miracles will follow. In Matthew chapter 6, all they could find to feed 5,000 hungry families with was a little bitty boy, a little lad's lunch of five barley loaves and two small fish. So what did Jesus do? Jesus used the little lad's lunch to work a miracle, and 5,000 hungry families were fed. Oh, you can eat fish and chips. They didn't have very, very much, but all God needs was what we have, and the little boy was willing to give him what he had, and God took what he had and turned it into a miracle. God has something for you. But he's waiting on you to get started. And you already have what you need. And when you give God what you already have, then God will add his blessing to what you give him. So it was with the widow in 2 Kings 4. So it was with Moses in Exodus 4. And so it was for the 5,000 hungry families in Mark chapter 6. Listen, listen to me this morning. The land has been promised and the land has been prepared. The question this morning is, when will you take possession of it? God has already promised the land and God has already prepared the land. When are we going to take possession The word of the Lord today, God has something for you. God is waiting on you to get started. The third thing you need to understand this morning, God would have you know this. That is there will always be obstacles standing in your way. Even though God has promised the land, even though God has gone and prepared the land, there still will always be obstacles standing in your way. See, see, if you are waiting on a clear path between where you are and your personal promised land, you will never get there. You will never take possession. 
I want us to read Joshua chapter 17, verse 14 through 18. Joshua 17, verse 14 through 18. Then the children of uh, no then the children of Joseph spoke to Joshua saying Why have you given us only one lot and one share to inherit since we are a great people inasmuch as the Lord has blessed us until now So Joshua answered them If you are a great people then go up to the forest country and clear a place for yourself there in the land of the Perizzites and the giants since the mountains of Ephraim are too confined for you. But the children of Joseph said, The mountain country is not enough for us. And all the Canaanites who dwell in the land of the valley have chariots of iron, both those who are of Beth Shean and its towns and those who are of the valley of Jezreel. And Joshua spoke to the house of Joseph, to Ephraim and Manasseh, saying, You are a great people and have great power. You shall not have only one lot. But the mountain country shall be yours. Although it is wooded, you shall cut it down, and its farthest extent shall be yours. For you shall drive out the Canaanites, though they have iron chariots and are strong. The Bible said that Joseph's people were so many in number that they needed more land. And they came to Joshua and told Joshua that we need more land. And the Bible said that Joshua gave them more land. But you need to understand that they had many obstacles to overcome before they would take possession of this added land. Now, I believe this is the word for somebody here this morning, and that is God has something more for us. Maybe you are already in the land this morning. Maybe you are already in possession of the promise that God has given you. But this is not enough for you. You desire more. You want God to take you somewhere you've never been. You want God to add land to you. You want God to add favor to you. You want God to add blessing to you. Well, I'm telling you this morning that there is more available. No matter what you have in God today, I'm telling you that there is more for you. And if you will ask God, God, give me more. God, open up more land. God, take me to a new level. God, take Take me to a new dimension, God. Take me where I've never been before. Listen, I'm telling you that God will hear your prayer. I believe that what God will give you more this morning. But I must tell you this morning that it won't come to us without a fight, and it will not come to us without some effort. And there will always be obstacles standing in the way of us possessing our personal promised land. And I want to talk about four possible Obstacles, four obstacles that could possibly stand, be standing in our way from us possessing our personal promised land. The, sometimes it's fear. Fear. Fear of failure. Fear of the unknown. The fear that accompanies our own insecurities. I'll never forget one time when God told me to do something very, very significant. If I obeyed God with this, it would cost me dearly. Initially, I said yes to the Lord. But as time went on, the devil began to put fear in my heart. The devil began to lie to me and tell me how crazy it was for me to even think that I could accomplish what God had told me to accomplish. 
And I'll never forget as I was wrestling with God, as I had initially said yes, but now I was wrestling with God as to whether I was going to do what God had told me to do. I'll never forget as the Lord spoke to me again. And this time when the Lord spoke to me, the Lord said to me, he said, the devil will provide you with an excuse not to obey. If you don't want to go, if you don't want to do, if you don't want to obey, the devil will make sure that you have an excuse not to obey. Listen this morning, I'm telling you that God has something for you. I'm telling you God has a land for you. God has a place for you. God has a promise for you. But I'm telling you that the enemy of your soul will try to put fear in your heart. I'm telling you the enemy of your soul will tell you every reason why that it cannot happen and why it cannot come about. When the Lord said to me, the devil will provide you with an excuse not to obey right then and there, I said, I'm going to do this, Lord, no matter what it costs me. I'm going to get beyond my fear. I said, devil, you will not defeat me. I said, devil, you will not rob me of my destiny. And I'm glad I can stand up here and tell you today that he did not. Let's notice another obstacle that might be standing in the way of possessing our personal promised land. Sometimes... It's family. You heard me correctly. Sometimes it's family. Did you know that David almost didn't fight the giant Goliath because of his big brother Eliab? David's big brother Eliab rebuked his baby brother David and told him every reason in the world why he should not fight the giant and told him how ridiculous it was that if the armies of Israel, the fighters, those that had been trained for war, would not fight him, who was he, just a snotty, bratty little kid, who was he to think that he could stand before the giant named Goliath? But David ignored his big brother's condescending remarks and fought the the giant Goliath anyway. See, See, sometimes the ones we love the most hurt us the worst. Sometimes the ones we look to for support are the very ones who fight against us. There will always be obstacles standing in our way trying to keep us from possessing our personal promised land. Sometimes it's fear. Sometimes it's family. Sometimes it's familiarity. See, see, some people stay where they are because it's easier than going to where they need to be. See, we talk about the next level. We always talk about going to the next level, but what we need to understand is that the next level is always uphill. In order for us to move from where we are to where God wants us to be requires us, amen, to move out of our comfort zone. See, even though Egypt was a place of slavery for the Israelites, it had become comfortable to them. It had become familiar with them. And the Bible says that even they even wanted to go back to it over and over and over again on their journey to the promised land. You see, to them, the known, even though it was not good, sounded better than the unknown. Even though God had promised them that the unknown was far better than the known. The word for somebody here this morning is this, take 
the land. Take the land. The word of the Lord for somebody here this morning is move out from the known into the unknown. Because even though it is unknown to you, it is not unknown to God. Did you hear me? I said even though it is unknown to you, it is not unknown to God. Why? Because God is already there. Why? Because God has already gone before you and he has prepared the way. Amen. Listen, before God calls us somewhere, before God moves us somewhere, first of all, he goes ahead of us and he makes provision and he makes and he makes provision for us and he prepares the way. And so even though it may be unknown to us, it is not unknown to God because God's already there. He's already ahead of us. He's already waiting on us. He's already prepared the place for us. Don't allow the obstacles of familiarity to keep you out of your personal promised land. The fourth obstacle that sometimes stands in our way, sometimes it's fatigue. In Joshua chapter 6, it records the story of the children of Israel marching around the walls of Jericho. We've heard this story since we were little kids. The Bible says that the Israelites lined up and marched around the city walls of Jericho once each day for six consecutive days. The Bible says on the seventh day they marched around the walls not once, but seven times. Think about it this morning. Just began to read between the lines and began to put yourself in their place. Can you imagine what must have been going through their minds as they were marching? No doubt some were thinking, this is absolutely ridiculous. This is absolutely crazy. What is this all about? Our leader has lost his mind, probably developed Alzheimer's. Maybe it was no big deal to march around the city once for six days, but think about marching around it seven times in one day. I can just imagine about the third or the fourth time around, some of them started to begin to look at the wall as they marched expecting a crack to appear in the wall. I'm sure some of them are thinking in their, in their minds, come on now, God, give us a sign. God, give us a sign. God, can you allow a crack, at least a crack to, to, to show up in the wall? God, God, give, me, give, give us a sign. God, give us a reason for us to keep on marching. But no, no sign, no crack. Fourth time around, no sign. Fifth time around, no sign. Sixth time around, still no sign, no cracks, no evidence that the walls were going to come down. No doubt fatigue had set in. And they began to think, why in the world should I begin, why in the world should I keep marching? Why should I keep believing that this wall is going to come down? This is ridiculous. We are wasting our time. We're tired and we are weary. Listen, we need to understand this morning that Satan will make sure that there are walls keeping us out of our personal promised land. God has personal promised land for all of us, but the devil will make sure that he erects a wall around that promised land. He will make sure there are barriers. He will make sure there are things that will stand between us and God's promise. But I want you to hear me this morning in time. In God's time, these walls will come down. God will knock the walls down for us. All we have to do is keep on marching until he does. 
I don't know this morning who you are, but I know in my heart, I know in my spirit today, somebody, you are here today and you are tired of marching. You are just tired of marching because you don't see any crack in the wall that you are thinking, what's the use? You're thinking to yourself, the walls will never come down. I've marched and I've marched and I've marched. I've been faithful to march, but I see no sign. There's no crack in the wall. There, This wall is never going to come down. But I want you to hear the word from the Lord this morning. Stop looking for signs and just keep marching. I said stop looking for signs and just... Just keep marching. Listen, the wall will come down. When God is ready for the wall to come down, you need to understand that it is God's job to knock down the wall. It's our job to march. I said it's not our job to knock the wall down. It's simply our job to march. And I believe that if we'll keep marching, even when we begin to grow weary and tired and discouraged. Amen. If we'll just keep on marching around the wall. Amen. We will see the wall come down and one day we will possess our personal promised land. Give the Lord a shout of praise in his house today. The word of the Lord for somebody here today is take the land. God has something for you but God is waiting on you to get started. There will always be obstacles standing in your way. But the fourth thing you need to understand this morning is this. God has already scheduled victory for you. God has already scheduled victory for you. Joshua 23 and 9. The Lord has driven out from before you great and strong nations. No one has been able to defeat you. Listen, friend, God always goes before us. He always prepares the way for us. He's already scheduled victory for us. Did you hear me? I said God has already scheduled. Victory has already been scheduled. Listen, hear me this morning. God has already inscribed your name on the trophy of champions. Your name is already there. You have been scheduled already, amen, to win. Two things and then we're done this morning. First of all, victory requires obedience. Victory requires obedience, Joshua 23, verse 6 through 11. I'm not taking time to read them, but that's, you'll find that what I'm saying is true. Listen, God has scheduled victory for everyone who is willing to obey him. Willing to obey him. You're not going to have victory. Even though victory has been scheduled, you are not going to see victory. The walls are not going to come down. You're not going to enter your personal promised land unless you are in obedience. God has already scheduled victory for you. But victory requires obedience. And number two, retaining victory requires ongoing obedience. Joshua chapter 23 verses 12 through 16 tells us that. Listen, victory only lasts as long as our obedience lasts. Some of you fell out with me somewhere along the way because that's good. Amen? Listen, victory only lasts as long as our obedience lasts. And you need to understand this morning that the blessing that accompanies obedience turns into a curse when we stop obeying. Read the scripture. That's what the word of the Lord says. God told the people, he said, listen, I'm going to, he said, I'm going to go before you. I've already prepared a land for you. I've already given it to you. It's, it's personally uh, given to you and it's wonderful. It's incredible. It's marvelous. You're going to be so incredibly blessed in the land that I have promised you. But he said, you'll only experience it through obedience. And he also said that when you stop obeying me, he said, the blessing of the land is going to turn into a curse. 
the very land that, that was intended for a blessing will turn on you and become a curse to you the moment you stop obeying me. Retaining victory requires ongoing obedience. There are people that have possessed their personal promised land and it was a blessing and it was awesome for a while. But something happened along the way and now they find that what once was a blessing has turned into being a curse for them. And they're wondering what the deal is. The deal is you only possessed it through obedience. But somewhere along the line, you stop being obedient to God. And when you stop obeying God, that blessing turns into a curse. If I could get some help on the, on the platform this morning. Somebody said partial obedience is disobedience. The word for someone here today is take the land. Take the land. The question God is asking you today, what are you waiting for? What are you waiting for? The question today is what obstacle are you allowing to keep you out of your personal promised land? Our takeaway for today is what promises have you failed to take possession of? What promises? Have you failed to take possession of? Would you stand with me in his presence today? God, I thank you for your powerful word today. God, I believe this is more than a sermon today. God, this was something I believe you birthed in my heart as a word, a prophecy, a divine word for somebody here this morning. I pray today that whoever it is today needs to hear this word will respond to this word. They will receive this word. They'll look into their hands and into their heart and see what they have and they will offer it to God. And God will take what is in their hands and what is in their heart and God will add His blessing. God will take them to where they need to go. And God, I believe there's some people here today, God, that even though they are walking in their divine destiny, they are walking in the center of the will of God, yet, yet, God, I believe there is more for them. And God, I believe that you want to open up more land for them. And God, as they have a hunger and a desire, God, to walk with you and walk where they've never walked before and they have a desire, God, to, Lord, to walk in territory and land and possess some things in the Spirit, God, especially that they've never experienced before. God, help them, God. Even as Joseph's, Joseph's people cried out for more, they said, we need more land. May there be people today that will say, God, I want more land. God, I want more territory. God, I want you to take me where I've never been before. God, even as Joshua granted them their desire. I believe you will grant us our desires. Lord. 